All right, well, we're there in Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14. And like I said, today we are ending our series. We've been talking for the last several weeks on this idea of capturing our community for Christ. And if you remember when we started this series, uh, we started the series actually in Acts, which makes sense. The book of Acts is about reaching people with the gospel and about the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the early church. We started this series with a sermon entitled Confronting Our Culture. We're talking about how Paul went into Athens, and if you remember, his spirit was stirred with him, within him, and he, he, had, he had a strategy, and he was uh, confronting the culture, and that culture specifically, not believing in God, and, and we learned from those things. Last week was more of a practical sermon in regards to uh, giving tips uh, about principles for effective soul winning and tips for how to be a good soul winner, and we talked about that. Today, I want to end this series with uh, talking about this idea about the ultimate goal for soul winning or the ultimate goal for a soul winner. And when we talk about soul winning, if you remember several weeks ago, we started with in Proverbs where it says, he that winneth souls is wise. And we're talking about the fact that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God left us on this earth The reason that he did not just rapture you up to heaven the moment you got saved, the reason you are here is to fulfill the Great Commission. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. We are here to spread the gospel. We are here to make sure that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. I want to talk about the ultimate goal in regards to soul winning and in regards to our soul winning program here and, and reaching people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look down at Acts chapter number 14, I want you to notice, we'll start in verse 19 just to give you a little bit of the context. Thank you. Appreciate it. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. And there came hither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Now Paul was doing things that people didn't like. He was making an impact. He was making a difference. And it brought persecution upon him. And here the Bible says they actually stoned him and they thought he was dead, supposing he had been dead. Notice verse 20. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and he quit on God. Is that what it says? No. I want you to notice the Apostle Paul did not quit simply because he got knocked down. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and rises up again. And we need to make sure that we're not these snowflakes. We need to make sure we're not these weak babies who, you know, we get hurt a little bit, and then we're just going to quit on God. The Bible says that we are in a spiritual warfare. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I remember when I was a kid, my dad probably won't want me telling this story, but when I was a kid, my dad, my dad, when he was young, was actually a professional boxer. And uh, he doesn't want me to say that because that makes him sound way more successful than he actually was. He was a professional boxer in the sense that he got paid to box. But, you know, I, you, you can ask him. I think it lasted about two weeks, his career. But uh, he, he, was, he was boxing. He was a boxer. I remember when I was a kid, my dad actually gave us some boxing lessons as, um, as, when we were growing up, just for, for a while, teaching us about boxing and how to spar and all of that. And one of the things you have to learn is that if you're going to get in a boxing ring or if you're going to get into a fight, you've got to expect that you're going to get hit. All right? You're never going to get into a boxing ring and just never take a hit. 
And, you know, and I don't think Christians understand that in the spiritual life. We teach them and preach them, you know, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We talk to them about the fact that we're in a spiritual warfare. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. We talk about the fact that we're engaged in a battle. And then the first time they take a hit, it's like, got to go. You know, it's got to run away. But I want you to notice one of the reasons that Paul was so effective is that he literally not, he didn't just take one hit. He took a lot of hits with rocks to the point where the people actually thought he was dead. And the Bible says that he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, I want you to notice he got up and he just kept doing what he was doing. He got up and he just kept preaching. Uh, and that has nothing to do with sermon. It's just uh, that one's for free, all right? But I want you to notice in verse 21, notice what the Bible says. Acts 14, 21. And when they had preached the gospel, notice what it says, to that city. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. You see that word many? They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd encourage you to write down some statements. I'd like you to write this statement down. Our ultimate goal, our ultimate goal in soul winning. You may ask, why do you guys talk about soul winning so much? You talk about evangelism so much. You talk about going out and confronting our culture and warning people and giving them an opportunity. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Our ultimate goal is to reach our entire community. Our ultimate goal is to reach our entire community. When we talk about going soul winning, you say, what what is that you're trying to accomplish? We want to reach this entire community. We want to reach this entire city. And what's interesting is that if you study the life of Paul and the missionary journeys, his goal was not to go out soul winning for a while. His goal was to preach the gospel to the entire city. If you notice verse 21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, his goal was the entire community, the entire You see this all throughout the book of Acts. You're there in Acts 14. Keep your place there. That's our text for this morning. But look just real quickly to verse number 3. Same chapter. Acts chapter 14. And notice verse number 3. Acts 14 and verse 3. Acts chapter 14 and verse 3. Notice these two words. Long time. I like those two words. Long time. Look, in the Christian life, you ought to determine you're in it for the long haul. It's not, you, you didn't run the race if you did it for two years. You didn't run the race if you did it for three years. You didn't run the race if you did it for a few months. Here the Bible tells us, Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Notice verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided. Notice, when Paul did something, it was big. The whole city was talking about it. The multitude of the city. Now, not, he, didn't, he didn't get the entire city saved, but he got his message out to the whole city. The multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. You know, it reminds me of our, our protest, you know, last year. The multitude of the city was divided. You know, if you out soul winning, I mean, literally, half of the people were cursing us, and half of the people were blessing us. I mean, there was people, I remember when we first went, go, go to Acts 13, the first time I went soul winning, after the, the major, you know, the, the news media went wild and the protests were, the very first time I went soul winning was, was just that following Saturday. You know, I was a little nervous because I thought, well, what's going to happen, you know, because the entire city is talking about our church, you know, the entire city is talking about my preaching, you know, the media and everything, what's going to happen? And I remember I knocked that first door and nobody answered. 
And I went next, I knocked the second door, nobody answered. I knocked the third door, nobody answered. But when I knocked the fourth door, a lady answered. And I said, hi, we're coming from Verity Baptist Church. Just wanted to give you and your family an invitation to church. And she said to me, the lady said, you're from what church? And I said, we're from Verity Baptist Church. And she said, I am not going to take your invitation because it's from that church. And she slammed the door. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, that's better than getting stoned, right? So, but here's what's funny about the story is I literally, and I'm not making this up, I literally went to the very next door. I mean, her next door neighbor, knock on the door. Lady opens. Hi, we're coming from Verity Baptist Church. Just wanted to give you and your family an invitation to church. She said, did you say Verity? And I said, yes, ma'am, Verity Baptist Church. And then she said, and I'm not making this up, she said to me, the only reason I'm going to take that invitation is because it's from that church. And she took it, and she slammed the door. And I was just like, what was that, you know? But you know what? The whole city was divided. And people try to act like ah, everybody was against you guys. But you know what? All the homos in San Francisco were against us. The entire city wasn't against us. Our city is full of normal people that love the Lord and know that that stuff's disgusting. But here you see, and people say like, well, is that something that Christianity should be doing? Well, it sounds like New Testament Christianity when the result of Paul's preaching was when uh, the Bible says, but the multitude, verse 14, chapter 14, verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided and part out with the Jews and part with the apostles. Kind of sounds like he was stirring up some things. Kind of sounds like there was people talking about it and upset about it. And everywhere he's going, he's being persecuted. He's being thrown in prison. He's being uh, uh, stoned. Go, go to Acts 13. Look at verse 42. Acts 13, verse 42. I just want you to notice, when Paul went somewhere, he went big. He wanted the whole community. He wanted the whole city. He wanted everybody talking about what he was preaching about. Acts 13, verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought, notice, that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Because he went to the Jews, and the Jews rejected him. And then, the, but the Gentiles said, well, we want to hear. You know, it's interesting, the Gentiles said to Christ, said to the apostles, we would hear Christ, we would know Christ, we want to know about Christ. And here they said that, that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Notice verse 43, now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, notice, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Notice verse 44, and the next Sabbath day, notice what the Bible says, came Almost the whole city together to hear the words of God. The whole city came together to hear the words of God. And you know what? You, people say like, oh, well, I don't think you're, you guys should have preached like that. And that's a disgrace to the cause of Christ. But you know what? When the media was just going crazy with us, you know what the whole city of Sacramento was doing? You know what they were doing? They were, they were Googling Verity Baptist Church. They're like, well, I want to listen, listen to what that guy had to say. You know, came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. That sermon was literally heard all throughout the world. I mean, that, those, the Leviticus 13 was heard everywhere because, you know, the word of God needs to be uh, 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 preached and needs to go out and God is going to use any means necessary. Go to Acts 19. Look at verse 10. Acts 19, verse 10. And obviously the gospel has to go alongside with that. Acts 19, 
and verse 10. But I just want you to notice this, the, the goal. You say, what's the goal? The goal is the entire city. The goal is the entire community. Notice Acts 19. Obviously, Paul is an evangelist. He's going from town to town, planting churches, starting churches. Acts 19 and verse 10, the Bible says, and this and this continued by the space of two years so that, notice the statement. I mean, just look at the awesomeness of, of the ministry of Paul. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. You say, what, what was the goal of the soul winning ministry of the Apostle Paul? I think his goal was that everyone heard it, that everyone got it. That all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word. Came almost the whole city together. He wanted to make sure everybody, the whole city was divided. He wanted to make sure everybody had an opportunity to hear the word of God. You're there in Acts 19. Look down at verse number 26, same chapter. Acts 19, verse 26. Notice what the Bible says. Acts 19, verse 26. Moreover, ye see and hear. Notice what this is. This is not Paul speaking. But they're speaking about Paul. Notice what they said. Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus. They're saying, not only at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. Hey, wouldn't it be good if it was one day said about Verity Baptist Church, moreover, you see and hear that not alone in Sacramento, but almost throughout all California? Almost throughout all the West Coast, almost throughout all the United States of America, this church persuaded and turned away much people. You say, what is it? Why are you preaching three weeks on capturing our community for Christ? Why are you preaching on soul winning? And you have soul winning training. And you have soul winning events. And you have soul winning big days. And you're always telling us about going out and reaching people with the gospel. Here's why. We want to be a New Testament church. And the New Testament churches were reaching the entire community. The entire city. They were capturing everyone. They were giving an opportunity to everyone. Almost throughout all Asia, they said. His message has gone out. Go to Acts 20. Look at verse 31. Acts 20, verse number 31. Acts 20, verse 31. Acts chapter 20 and verse 31. Acts chapter 20 and verse 31. The Bible says this. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years. Notice what Paul said. By the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. You say, what is it that you're trying to accomplish at Verity Baptist Church? Let me simply explain to you what it is that we're trying to accomplish. We are trying to make sure that nobody lives in this area for more than a year without being given the opportunity to hear the gospel. Amen. You say, why, why do you go? You, you know, you, you, and here's the thing. We're growing and we're expanding our area of outreach but we're expanding it in a way where we can go back and go back and go back. And we're going to see it here in a minute. Why? But you said, what is it that you're trying to do? We're trying to reach the entire community. We want all of Natomas. We want all of Del Paso. We want all of North Highlands. We want all of Rio Linda. We want everyone in those communities to have an opportunity to hear the gospel. You say, but some of those people are going to attack you. Some of those people are going to hate you. Some of them attacked Paul. Some of them persecuted Paul. Say, well, what are you going to do when they knock you down? When they suppose you're dead? When they count you out? When they start, you know, saying, you got kicked out of your church, they closed down. You know, they show pictures on the news of our old building, and they're like, Verity Baptist Church is closed down. I'm sure they were drawing pictures of Paul and saying, look, he's dead. We saw him. 
You say, what do you do when they knock you down? We're just going to get back up and do it again. Amen. We're just going keep to go- keep on going. Why? Because our goal, I want you to understand this, our goal, our ultimate goal is to reach the entire community, capture the entire community, make sure everyone in this area, if they don't get saved, it won't be because somebody didn't give them the option. It won't be because somebody didn't give them the opportunity. My goal is that everyone who lives in this area during our lifetime, they will, no one will be able to stand up before God and say, well, no one ever told me. God's going to pull down his plasma screen. He's going to be like, well, in 2017, these soul winners came out. Remember they asked you, do you know for sure you're not today, you're on your way to heaven? Oh, there you go, you slammed the door. And then in 2018, these other soul winners came out. Remember they asked you, do you know for sure if you died today on your way to heaven? Can we show you? Oh, you start yelling about your no soliciting sign. And in 2018, that's the goal. Is that they, no one will go without the opportunity of getting saved. You say, what are we trying to accomplish? We want to reach the whole city. And if it means that half of them are against us, then so be it. But our goal is to reach, the ultimate goal is to reach our entire community for Christ. But you know what? There's another goal. It's not just that we want to reach the community. It's not just that we want to reach the community and knock it one time and say, well, good, we're done. Let's go on vacation now. Go back to Acts 14. I want you to notice verse 21. Acts 14. It's interesting as we attempt to duplicate the ministry of Paul, as we attempt to duplicate the ministry of the New Testament local church, you say, how do you duplicate the ministry of the local church. And look, I'm not against these things, but please understand something. I don't, I don't, see, I don't see, you know, Paul opening up a homeless shelter. I'm not against homeless shelters. I think homeless shelters are good. I'm sure they serve a purpose in ministry. But sometimes we're like, we got to start a homeless shelter. I don't really see Paul doing that. I don't really see Paul, you know, just uh, doing most of the things that churches today are doing. But you know what I see Paul doing a whole lot of? Just going out systematically, going out, knocking doors, getting people saved. Making sure the entire city, making sure the entire community, that they would say that uh, all they which dwell in Asia heard the word. That not just in Ephesus, but almost all in Asia, they've heard the gospel Preach. Our goal is, our ultimate goal is to reach our community. But let me share with you the second goal. Acts 14, 21. Notice what it says. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. That's goal number one. Reach the city. Reach the community. Reach our area by soul winning two by two, house to house, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the faith of the gospel. Here's goal two, though. For those of you taking, uh, taking uh, notes, number one, our ultimate goal is to reach our community, uh, our, our entire community. Uh, number two, our ultimate goal should be to return to our converts. Our goal should be to reach our community. But this is where I believe most independent fundamental Baptists drop the ball, even in our movement, and I'm all for our movement. I think our movement is doing a great work, a soul-winning work. And when I say our movement, I'm talking about the churches of like faith, the churches like ours that believe in aggressive soul-winning and hard preaching. I think we're doing a great job. But I do believe that we are, by and large, and even at Verity Baptist Church, we are, by and large, dropping the ball when it comes to this idea. We get excited about reaching our community, but you know what? We also need to get excited about returning to our converts. 
Because notice, Paul was not just going from town to town, getting people saved, and then just, see you later. Notice what he was doing in Acts 14, 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, notice what it says. They, notice this word, returned. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Notice, not only did Paul have a soul winning ministry, but Paul also had a follow-up ministry. He went out and reached them with the gospel, and then he'd wait a while and he'd return. He'd go back. You say, why would he go back? Why? He said, the Bible says they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. You say, why? Notice verse 22. Confirming. You see the word there, confirming? The word confirm means to establish, to reinforce, to strengthen. You see how in the word confirming, you see the word firm? The word, the, the C-O-N there, talking about to, to, the with. It's strengthening them. It's establishing them. It's reinforcing. Notice, confirming the souls. Notice, of the disciples. What was he doing? He was going back to confirm them. He was going back to establish them in the faith. See, it's not enough for you and I to go out soul winning and to see many people saved. And praise the Lord for it. We want to see people saved. And we should see people saved. But you know what? We also need to take responsibility to return back to our converts. And to go back to them. You say, why? That we might confirm them. That we might establish them. That we might strengthen them. That we might produce, notice, I like the word, notice what it says, confirming the souls of the, notice this word, disciples. Our ultimate goal is to multiply disciples. Our ultimate goal is to create disciples. Our ultimate goal is not to just get somebody saved, but that we get somebody saved and help them become a fully developing disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was doing. So how did he accomplish it? Well, he reached them, but then he returned to them. He went back to them. You said, what was he doing? He was establishing them. He was confirming them. But notice there's another thing he was doing. Notice verse 20, uh, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and... Notice, and exhorting. What's the word exhort mean? It means to strongly encourage. Exhorting them. What was he exhorting them? Exhorting them to continue in the faith. Notice what Paul was doing. Paul went into a community and he said, number one, we got to reach this whole city. We got to reach this whole community. We got we to stir things up around here. We got to make sure everybody knows. Everybody's talking. They're either going to love us or they're going to hate us, but no one's going to not know about the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. He said, we got to reach them. But then he also said, we got to return to them. And you say, why? Well, we got to establish them and we've got to encourage them. We've got to strengthen them, and we've got to exhort them. We've got to go back to them, and we've got to help them and get confirmed and founded in the Word of God. And then we want to encourage them. You say, encourage them to what? To continue in the faith. To make sure that, uh, th- that, that they realize that they're going to go through trials. That, and notice what it says. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And by, by the way, that doesn't help the pre-trib argument either. You know, oh, we're not going to go through tribulation. What's funny, because we're going to go, it says we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. You say, well, that's not talking about the great tribulation. Yeah, that's talking about all Christians. Whether you're living through the great tribulation or you're living through the life of Paul, guess what? Yea, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
And by the way, if you're just going through life and getting along with the world and getting along with worldly people and getting along with the devil and nobody's attacking you and nobody's mad at you and nobody's persecuting you, you're probably doing the Christian life wrong. Because there's something about living the life that God has called us to live that causes the world to hate us. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Hey, here's a question I have for you, Joel Osteen. You know, are you better than Christ? You know, because the Billy Grahams and the Joel Osteens and the, the Kenneth Copelands, we were in uh, Fort Worth this week, and the G- we were driving back from our soul winning to the, to the church building to, to get lunch, and the GPS took us a different way than we got there. And I was like, well, I don't know where I'm at, so I'm just going to follow the GPS. And it was actually kind of cool because we drove by the Kenneth Copeland uh, Ministries, which is like this huge compound in Fort Worth. I mean, it's these ginormous buildings. We saw the infamous Kenneth Copeland, uh, you know, airport that he's got over there with his planes and all that stuff. And we're just like, wow, this is crazy. And we're telling the kids, like, there's the devil, kids, you know. That, and by the way, Kenneth Copeland's a devil. I don't know if you know that. The guy's literally filled with the devil. He's, he's a heretic, a false prophet. And, and, and you say, well, well, how can you say, look, you, you think Jesus had mansions and airplanes? You know, the world just loved him. He had this huge compound. Jesus said, I don't have a place to lay my head. And you said, how did the ministry of Christ end? Uh, It ended with him getting crucified. It's it's interesting. And then Paul follows in his footsteps. And what are they doing to Paul? They're trying to kill him. But we're supposed to believe today that the so-called men of God are just loved by the world. They're rich. They're, you know, famous. And the world just loves them. Look, if the world loves you, there's something wrong with you. And, you know, and then I was thinking about the Kenneth Copeland Ministries because we, we saw like their huge thousand seat auditorium. And you know what I didn't see? Maybe I just missed it. I didn't see a sign that said anything church, but I saw a big old sign that said Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I mean, could you imagine if you showed up to church this morning and instead of the signs outside saying Verity Baptist Church, they just said Roger Jimenez Ministries. <laughs> Oh, where are you going to church this morning? Roger Jimenez Ministries. I mean, what kind of an arrogant guy do you have to be to have your entire ministry just named after yourself? I mean, at least call it the Lord Jesus Christ Ministry. I thought it was his church. Anyway, I don't know why we're getting off on that. But go, go, go back to Acts 14. You say, why do we return? Why do we return? We return to establish. We return to confirm the souls. And we return to encourage. We return to exhort them to continue in the faith. And listen, at Verity Baptist Church, and I want to talk about this for a little bit, we need to get back to and we need to get better at this idea of going and returning back and helping people get established and encourage them. And we have a whole, you know, uh, 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 a whole fleet of, of different resources that we have for you. And, and I think sometimes these things go, go by and maybe you don't even know we have them for you. We want to help you out and, and let you know that we want you to not forget about your converts. Go back and get them saved. Oh, I'm sorry, when you get them saved, go back and get them discipled and get them growing before they start watching Kenneth Copeland. You know, because you get them saved and then they're like, oh, I should do something spiritual. So then they turn on Joel Osteen. So then they turn on, you know, I can't remember all these, uh, you know, T.D. Jakes. And they turn on all these bad guys or whatever. Hey, no, you go back. 
And let me just real quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to talk to our soul winners. I want to just give you, and you've heard this before, but I want to just real quickly just give you some tips in regards to follow-up and how to follow-up. And, and I just want, I'm just going to read these, write them down. If you, if you can't write them down quickly, I can give them to you after the service. But let me just give you some steps for following up and returning. Because look, the Apostle Paul was not just reaching, he was returning. He was going back. He was establishing them and encouraging them. You say, well, what can I do? Well, here's number one. Pray for your converts. I mean, look, we have 70. We, this, this week, what did the bulletin say? This week, we had 73 soul winners or 78 soul winners out from our church. Praise the Lord. 78 individual soul winners. Many of those soul winners went out multiple times. We're just talking about individual persons. Our church has like 160, 170 people in it. Uh, it you know, we, we range anywhere between 150 and 170 people on Sunday morning. And then we have almost 80 of them out knocking doors. That's great. And by the way, if that's not you, get on board. Get out soul winning. And, you know, get, 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 on the, get in the program and, and help us out. But, but here's the thing. You soul winners... Don't just go out there and get people saved. Make sure you're going back. You say, well, what, what can I do? Well here's, what you, well, here's what anybody can do. You can at least pray for your converts. This is why I always encourage people when you're out soul winning, make sure that you learn your convert's name. I always ask them their name. I try to use their name throughout the conversation. Why? Because I want to pray for them, and I want to pray for them at least by name. Most soul winners just walk away from their salvations, don't even know the person's name. They're so excited about high-fiving each other and, hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And it's like, who's the person you just got? I don't know. Study the ministry of Paul. You know what you'll find? You'll find that he's constantly praying for his converts, constantly praying for his, the, the people that he's reached. So number one, pray for your converts. Number two, follow up on those who got saved. Follow up with them. Now, at Verity Baptist Church, we have for you, and we give you these cards when you go out soul winning, we have a new believer's follow-up card. And we give this to you. And look, if you're out soul winning, you get somebody saved. If they seem interested in coming to church. Now, look, not everyone you get saved is interested in coming to church. When I get somebody saved, I always ask them this question. Are you interested in coming to church? Some people say to me, like, ah, you know, church isn't my thing. And I just say, well, praise the Lord. I'll see you in heaven. God bless. And, you know, I'll give them a CD and I'll move on. But, you know, if they say, yeah, if they're like, yeah, I was thinking of going to church. Or I'm looking for a good church to go to or I'm trying to find a church. Then look, grab, you know, get this and say, hey, well, can I send you some information from our church? We'd love to have you come out and visit. And then grab this card and get their information so you can follow up with them. And here's the thing about this card. And I almost see everybody do this wrong. And, and I just want to try to help you with this. Don't give them this card. Don't give this card to them. Everybody always wants to give. Here, fill this out. Why are you asking them to do your work? Look, you know what I do? Because here's the thing. You give it to them, they're just going to put their first name, and they're going to scribble something and give it back to you. You're going to be like, I can't follow up with this. You know, I ask people like, hey, are you interested in coming to church? Yeah, I've been looking for a church. Would you mind? And by the way, always ask. Don't, don't just start sending them stuff. Say, would you mind if we send you some information from our church? Sure, I'd like that. If they say no, I'd rather not get that, then no problem. But if they're like, sure, I'd like that, then I say, well, let me, let me get your information. What's your name? I write down their name, their address, their phone number. I, there's a place here for some notes, something maybe you learned about them. Maybe they recently had a death in their family, or maybe they're looking for a job, something you can pray for in regards to them. On the back, we have a place for you to write the date that they got saved, and we have a place for you to write the date they got baptized. You say, why is that there? Because the goal is to get them baptized. Amen. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. 
God wants us, Jesus wants us to get see them baptized. So we put that date there because we want you to have a goal. I want you to get baptized. I'm going to return here and I'm going to confirm you and I'm going to encourage you to continue in the faith. And the first step of being a follower of Christ is getting baptized. And by the way, if you haven't been baptized, you haven't even done the first step. First thing God wants you to do after salvation is get baptized. You say, why? Because it identifies you with the body of Christ. It identifies you with the death, burial, and resurrection. We have a place here for you to track when maybe you give them a phone call or when you write them a handwritten note or when you uh, go by and visit. We're not saying you need to go by every week. We don't want you to stalk them or bother them. But look, every once in a while, it might be nice to write a little note saying, I'm praying for you. Thanks for letting me talk with you. You say, I want to ha- have an impact like Paul had an impact. Well, let me tell you something. If you want to have an impact like Paul had an impact, maybe you can start doing the things that Paul did. Because Paul didn't just go out and get people saved. He also returned. He reached and then he returned. He reached them and then he went back and established them and encouraged them and confirmed them and exhorted them. Use the card when you're out soul winning. You know, we have these DVDs. The very least thing you could do is when you get somebody saved, you're not going to follow up with them. Give them one of these Lessons for New Believers DVDs. We give these to you for free. You can take as many as you want. Give them out like candy. Give them out like the government. I mean, just give them out like the government gives out Obama phones. Just give these things out. We don't care. We'll buy more. We buy them by the thousands. You say, well, what what is this DVD? It's got like five sermons on it, and they're all sermons that a new believer needs. talks about reading your Bible, and a sermon on prayer, and a sermon on church attendance, and a sermon on uh, 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 baptism, and and a sermon on different things like that. Look, when you get somebody saved, at the very least say, hey, we got this DVD. Uh, I want to give this to you as a gift. Here you go. Maybe you have some time. You can pop it in and and, and watch it. You know, the, the least you could do is take one of these cards we have these little business cards because you know the ladies they have their purses where they can put stuff in there or whatever but us guys except for those of you got you you got some sort of a man purse or something you know us guys don't really have anything like that so you know what i love brother brother jeff he designed this for us we got these little business cards you can put a few of these in your wallet and just as you're out and about, and look, our business card has, it says Verity Baptist Church. It has our address on it. And on the back of it, it's got, you know, the, the different documentaries that our church has been a part of. March in Zion, After the Tribulation, New World Order Bible Versions. But the great thing about this card it has, it, is that it has this little, I always forget what these things are called, these little QR codes. It's got the QR code right on it. So someone just scan it with their phone, you know, scan it with their Antichrist Mark of the Beast phone. And, and they scan the code, and then they just start watching the movie right on their phone. I mean, we're doing it as easy as possible. But you know what we have on the front? The biggest one with the, with the biggest code, it's the Bible way to heaven. Look, you, maybe you can't give the gospel to someone when you're going through the drive-thru, but you can stick out one of these cards and say, hey, there's a great video on there you ought to watch, and just hand it to them. At the grocery store, everywhere you go, just daily in the temple, in every house. They see it's not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. You can hand these out. If you, we have a, a, a DVD here on the Bible's way to heaven. It's a seven-minute video that just explains the gospel. We've got it in nine different languages. The nine most common languages found in the city of Sacramento. We have English and Spanish and Chinese and Hindi, Romanian, Russian, Tagalog, Ukrainian, Vietnamese. You can hand these out. You, don't, you say, I don't know how to give the gospel. Can, can, do you know how to do this? Because you say, here, watch this. Here. Look that up. 
It's got the gospel on it. We've got our church, our church invitation has the gospel on it with verses and explanation. And it tells them to go to the website and it has a video. We have the follow-up DVD. I mean, I don't know what else our church can do to try to help you. I've never been to a church that had all these resources. We have a new believers packet. This packet has a flyer about baptism. It has the, DVD, the, the new believers DVD. It has a letter from the church. You get somebody saved. You come back to us and you say, hey, Brother Oliver, I got somebody saved today. I'd like to send them a new believers packet. We give this to you. It's already ready to go. It's sealed. It's got a stamp on it. It's got the return address on it. All you got to do, all you got to do, lazy Paul, is just write their address and put it in the mail. And they get them. You say, you get them saved. And you're like, hey, do you mind if we send to you something from the church? And then you just write their address and send it. You say, what's the point of this? Well, it gives them something to establish them. And it gives them something to encourage them. But it also gives you a reason to go back and call on them. Because maybe you send them a text message. You send this out on Tuesday. You can send them a text message on Friday. Or you can give them a call on Saturday and say, hey, we sent you out a new believers packet. Just wanted to make sure you received it. Oh, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. And it gives you an opportunity to call them and to follow up with them and say, hey, I'd love to see you out in church, in church next week. And, you know, maybe we can take you out to lunch or whatever it might be. But, you know, we need to get back to this idea of returning to our converts. Follow up with those who are interested in coming to church. Hey, follow up with those who are are, 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 are prone to coming to church, there are people that are more ready to come to church than other people. I've taught this before, but let me just give it to you real quickly. Here are the three things you want to be looking for. When people are in trouble, when people are in transition, or when people desire teaching, you, as a soul winner, need to follow up on that individual. When you're out soul winning, and someone says to you, you know, I, my marriage is falling apart. Don't just, oh, okay, well, listen, do you know for sure if you died today? Just have some empathy and say, man, that's terrible. Let me pray for you. You know, the Bible says you don't have, you know, this life might be tough, but the Bible says that God wants to give you a home in heaven. Can I share with you the God? And then get them saved and then say, I want to pray about your marriage. I think church would help you. Hey, when someone's telling you, I'm having trouble with my children, I I lost my job. When someone expresses to you, I'm in trouble, realize that's a great candidate to come to church. Don't just, okay, whatever. See you later. High five. I got them saved. Hey, why don't you love people and return back to them? Here's a great one. When people are in transition, that's a great time for them to come. Somebody tells you, I just moved into this house. I just moved to Sacramento. I just moved here. I don't know anybody. Well, you ought to come to church with us. There's lots of people that love to get to know you. When someone's telling you, I'm getting married. When someone's telling you, I'm having a baby. When people are in transition, that's a great time to get them connected in church. Here's another one. When someone tells you, you're at work. You're talking to your coworker. And you're like, oh, man, you know. How's your weekend? Oh, it was good. When somebody's telling you, man, I went to church, but, you know, I just feel like my church is a, doesn't teach me anything. I mean, I, I go soul winning all the time where people will tell me out soul winning. You know, I go to this church, but it's just boring. I go to this church, but I feel like I don't learn anything. I go to this church, but I just, I don't feel like the pastor's really teaching us anything. Hey, tell, get that person in here. Say, hey, you got to come to our Wednesday night Bible study. A pastor goes verse by verse through the books of the Bible, and we're learning the Bible. You may not like what the Bible has to say once you find out what it actually says, but you know what? Let's actually learn it together. When people want to uh, be taught, 
You know, give people verses on the importance of church attendance. Give clear directions to the church building. Ask them to follow up. Use a follow-up card. Focus on people that are maybe younger than you are or maybe lower income than you are. Offer to pick... By the way, that's what Jesus did. Good night. The devil, the devil is attacking us. That's what Jesus did. He focused on the publicans and sinners. And, and you know, he focused on, on people that needed. Uh, offer to pick them up for church. Or if they live in the area, offer to have the church van pick them up. Call or text them the night before. And uh, call, do not text, maybe an hour before you pick them up. I always tell people, call or text them the night before. Hey, you still planning on coming tomorrow? Just to remind them. And if you're going to give them a ride, call them an hour before the service. Or if the van's going to pick them up, call them an hour before the service. Uh, before the, their pickup time, excuse me. An hour before their pickup time. Say, hey, the van's going to be by in, a, in about an hour. I'm going to be by to pick you up in about an hour. You say, why call them an hour before and not when you're outside their door? Here's why. When you call them an hour before, you wake them up and give them enough time to get ready. You know, I, we've been doing this for a long time. I used to show up to Bill's house. Hey, I'm, I'm at your house. Oh, man, I forgot. I slept in. When I call him an hour early, hey, I'm going to be in your house in an hour. Oh, wow, wow, thanks for calling me. Man, my alarm didn't go off. Let me get ready. Well, yeah, no problem. You got an hour. You know, just call them. Work on them. Return back to them. Have a reason to call by using the resources we've given you. You know, don't, don't be pushy if they don't want to hear it, if they're not interested. But if you got someone who actually is interested, then return. Because the ministry of Paul was not just to reach, but it was to return and to go back and to follow up and to love on your visitors and, and on your converts. And by the way, that's what, that's what the Bible says to do. That's what they were doing in the book of Acts. That's what they did with, the, with Apollos. That's what they were doing all throughout the scripture. Go back to Acts 14. Let me give you the third one and we'll, we'll, we'll be finishing up. I said, number one, our ultimate goal is to reach our community. Number two, our uh, our secondary ultimate goal should be to return to our converts. Number three, I'd like you to notice this morning, our ultimate goal must be to reproduce our congregation. What is the ultimate goal of the Great Commission? And please understand this. The Great Commission is not soul winning. Soul winning is not the Great Commission. We want to act like soul winning is the, the end all, be all. If I'm doing that, we're good. Soul winning is one part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to teach all nations, yes. But the Great Commission is to baptize them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. That's part of the Great Commission too. And to teach them to observe all things. That's the confirming. That's the establishing. That's the encouraging them, exhorting them to continue in the faith. That's the Great Commission. And you know what? It's to plant churches. You know what the goal of Verity Baptist Church ought to be? To reproduce this congregation. That there would be churches just like Verity Baptist Church all over this nation, all over this state, all over this country, all over this world. You said, what is it that Paul was doing? He was reaching his community. What is it that Paul was doing? He was returning to his converts. But I'd like you to notice, thirdly, he was reproducing congregations. Are there in Acts 14? Look at verse 23. Acts 14, verse 23. Acts 14, 23, notice what it says. And when they had, notice what it says, ordained them elders. When they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with them fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Notice, 
The Apostle Paul reached them, he returned to them, and then he ordained elders, and then he commended them to the Lord. He, he, he ordained pastors, and he started churches. Go to Titus chapter number 1. Titus chapter 1. Towards the end of the New Testament, you find all those T-books. You got First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus. Titus chapter 1. Look at verse number 5. Titus chapter number 1 and verse 5. And you know what? The goal of Verity Baptist Church is to reproduce itself. Titus chapter 1. And verse 5. Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. Titus 1 5. Notice what the Bible says. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest, notice what he says, set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. See, Paul said, I left Titus in Crete that he would set in order the things that are wanting. He said, you need to establish and encourage some of these people and help them grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior and ordain elders in, notice, every city. He said, that entire island is to be captured. He was telling Paul, because Crete was an island, and Paul was telling Titus, you need to get a vision for the entire island. Get a vision for the entire nation of Crete. Ordain elders in every city. And you know what? We need to get a vision for the state of California. California needs a church like Verity Baptist Church in every major city. And it is our goal to reproduce ourselves. But listen to me, our church, and I, and I want to specifically talk to the young men right now that you feel like God has called you into the ministry or you have a desire to go into the ministry. We need you to get your act together. Because, you know, I talk with these pastors. I talk to Pastor Anderson. I talk with Pastor Romero. I talk with Pastor Perry. And, you know, they say this, and I've, I've felt this. And it's interesting because they feel the same way. People will act like we don't want to send people out. And they're like, you got all these, you're making us read the Bible 10 times, and you're making us, you know, do this and do that. You, got, you don't want to send us out. It's like, no, we don't want to send out a failure. It's what we don't want to do. Amen. We want to make sure you're not a novice, and you actually can work hard, and you're not a big complainer. You expect us to do, you expect us to show up to this class and you're, look, when you're working a full-time job, guess what? They're going to expect you to preach on Sunday morning and on Sunday night, on Wednesday night and go soul winning. But you know what? People act like, oh, you guys don't really want to send people out. But here's the funny thing. You know that in the last seven years of ministry, I've never, not one time, I've never had one guy walk up to me and say, I've met all the qualifications you've asked for. Are you going to send me out? Because you know what? If somebody walked up to me and said, everything you said to do, it's done. Here's your checklist. I've got them all crossed off. When are you going to send me out? Because you know what I would say? Let's do it now. But yet people want to act like, ah, oh, you don't want to send people out. But then you ask them, are you ready? Well, I don't, I don't know. I've only read the Bible two times. Not really ready. Hey, you know what? Get your act together. And I'm not going to hold your hand and push you out into the ministry. Guess what? If you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be out there doing the work, you're going to have to have some initiative. You know that there's nobody that makes me get up in the morning? You know that God doesn't come down and say, it's time to check into work now. <laughs> you know what I got to do every day? Just have some initiative. When we started this church, we had some initiative. And I'm not mad at you guys. I'm just trying to encourage you. Get your act together. Read your Bible. Spend an hour. People act like, oh, spending an hour in the Bible every day is so hard. For a pastor? Look, this is not an easy job. If, you, if you're going to go to school to be a lawyer, you know what they're going to expect you to read. You go to school to be a doctor, they're going to expect you to know what you're talking about. 
And you're going to handle the word of God. Some of you guys need to just schedule it in, get up early or stay up late and say, I'm going to read the Bible every day for an hour. I'm going to shut off YouTube. I'm going to shut off the radio. I'm going to shut off Facebook. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm actually going to follow up on some converts and get them in church and prove that I can do the ministry of an evangelist and then get yourself ready. You say, Pastor, why are you so passionate? Because the world's dying and going to hell. Amen. We don't have time for you to waste. Get your act together. Let's get out there. Look, I'd love nothing more than to die and say, this church started 20 churches, started 50 churches, turned this entire city, turned this entire state upside down for the gospel of Christ. I mean, what do you think it would do for the state of California if Verity Baptist Church had a church just like this, started churches like this in every major city in this, in this state? I mean, if Los Angeles had four churches just like Verity Baptist Church, Four churches that are wanting to just reach that city and capture that city for Christ. If we started one in Fresno, if we started one in Bakersfield, if we started one in the, in the South Bay and in the East Bay and maybe even in San Francisco, if someone's crazy enough to do it, and in Oakland and in Redding. And, in, you know, I mean, if we, just, if we just went crazy. But you know what? The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And I'm not mad at you guys. I'm just trying to encourage you to get your act together. Let's go do something big for God. Paul didn't want just a little town. He said, let's get the whole city. Let's get the whole state. Let's do something big for God. What was it that Paul was doing? He was reaching his community. What was it that Paul was doing? He was returning to his converts. What was it that Paul was doing? He was reproducing himself. Look, I'm not going to hold your hand, but you know, what I'd you know what I'd love? I'd love nothing more than to some young guy to walk up to me on a Sunday night service and say, hey, pastor, I'm done. I've met all the qualifications you've asked for. Go send me out. I'll say, let's do it. Where do you want to go? Let's go find a building. Let's go move down there. Let's go help you find a job down there. Let's go start networking, see if there's any believers in that town or believers in that city. Let's go do something. Let's, let's reach people. That's what Paul was doing. He, that's why it said of Paul when he walked into a town, they said these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. I'd love nothing more than it to be said in Bakersfield and in Fresno and in San Diego and in Los Angeles and all over this town. These that have turned California upside down are come hither also. That's our goal. So let me say this. As a soul winner, and I, I'm about to make a statement, and I, I want to make sure you're not offended. And I, I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that my heart's in the right, in the wrong place when I say this. And we have a lot of young people that listen to the sermons online that are in our movement. And I, I want to make sure that the the people that listen to this, I'm not being negative towards you, and I'm not trying to discourage you. But you know what I've noticed is in our movement, and I don't know where this came from. And if and if you have a pastor, you know, if you're listening online and you have a pastor that encourages you to do this then by all means, your pastor's right and I'm wrong. Okay, I'm talking to our church right now. And you may be listening online and that's fine, but this is... But you know what I've noticed in our movement? There's this new thing, and I'm not against it. I don't think the people who do this are bad. But there's this new thing where people have a... They set salvation goals for themselves. And they're like, this year I want to get 100 people saved. Or this year I want to get 200 people saved. Or this year I want to get 300 people saved. And I'm not against that. I don't think that's terrible. I don't think their heart's in the wrong place. But let me explain something to you. You know what a better goal would be as a soul winner? Because it's easy to have people pray with you. And we really don't know how many people actually get saved when we're out soul winning. But you know what would be a better goal is as a soul winner to have a goal to have a fully developing disciple with you. 
Because you know what you constantly see Paul doing? He's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He's writing to his son in the faith, Onesimus or Titus. He's, ta- he's talking to specific individuals that he's actually invested his life into and he's helping them grow. And you know what I'd love to see our soul winners? I would love to see in our church for our soul. I would love for the 78 soul winners in our church to set a goal and saying, I'm going to get as many people saved as I need to. I'm going to get people, uh, as many people baptized as I need to in order to make sure that I have one Timothy this year. That I have one convert. That this time next year, I have one convert with me that I got saved, that got baptized, that came to church, and they're a fully developing disciple of Christ because I'm helping them, because I'm encouraging them, because I'm praying for them, because I'm their Paul, they're my Timothy. Hey, what kind of impact do you think it would make for our church if the 78 soul winners we had out this week all just made a goal? This time next year, I want one convert that I brought to church that's growing in grace, that's loving the Lord, that's, being, that's walking with God as a result of my personal ministry in their life. You know what that would do? That would create a huge impact in this community. And you know what that would do for you? You wouldn't be disgruntled and upset. You wouldn't be just mad at every little situation. Well, she said this, and he said that, and they didn't let me, and I didn't. You know, you wouldn't be upset about it. You know what you'd be? You'd be excited and focused on your visitor. Amen. Excited and focused on your Timothy. People start talking about, uh, did you hear about this? And, did you? and he said, I don't care about that, man. I'm, I'm working with this guy. I'm working with this gal. I'm trying to help them. I've got this convert, and they just, they're, they're just making mistakes with their children, and they're seeking out. I'm going and helping them. I'm teaching them. I'm loving them. Hey, that would be a great goal. And what, I mean, don't you think that would just change this community? If our church... If 70 of our soul winners just said, I want a fully developing disciple of Christ. And this time this year, we had 70 new converts in here, growing in grace, loving the Lord. Then what if they went? Well, what if, and you said, what if you did it again? And they did it again. Now instead of a hundred, you know, now instead of 70, now we got 140. And the 140 say, hey, let's go out and reach one this year. Reach, reach one fully developing disciple of Christ. Which means I may need to get 100 people saved to get that one. Which means I may need to get 10 or 15 baptisms to get that one. But I'm not, I'm not setting the goal at the first part of the commission. I'm setting the goal at the last part of the commission. The helping them to observe everything that I've commanded them. Because look, we, we, the Great Commission is three parts. Soul winning, baptism, discipleship. We set the goal at the first part and we forget about the second part. But if you just set a goal at the last part, you'll get the rest done. This is what this was the vision. This, Paul did not do a great work because he was getting tons of people saved. Paul did a great work because he was loving people, training people, returning to people, exhorting people, loving people, establishing churches. That's why he made such an impact. So what would it do for our church? What would it do for this community? And like, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but some of you need to just quit being so selfish and get, get your life to be, stop being all about you and just get out there and do something. And start investing in somebody and loving somebody and caring about somebody and realizing that souls actually die and go to hell. 
And that when they get saved, people actually need help with their marriage, and people actually need help with their children, and people actually need help, you know, and learn biblical principles of finances to help them with their finances, and people actually need someone to come alongside them and love them and encourage them and con- confirm them and continue and encourage, exhort them to continue in the faith. That's the goal. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of casting the vision, but I just want to say, what's the vision? What's the ultimate goal of the soul-winning ministry of Verity Baptist Church? We want to reach this community, want to return to our converts, and we want to reproduce our congregation all over the state. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So here's the question I have for you. Will you help us? Will you get on board? You might be here and say, well, I can't go pastor a church. Okay, but can you help us reach the community? Can you show up for a soul-winning time? Well, I, 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 I'm so winning already. Can, can you start focusing on returning back to your converts and encouraging them and, and, and helping them along the way and confirming them? Can, can, can you get on board with this uh, church planning business? We've, we've successfully planted a church in Vancouver. We got one down, you know, in Washington. And, and I mean, we're about probably about a year before we cut that umbilical cord, but you got to get on board with that thing. You got to go up there and encourage them on their one-year anniversary if you can. You got to write notes to Brother Aaron up there and say, hey, we're praying for you. We love you, brother. Want to see you succeed. Want to ordain that church and set it off on its way and, and, and let it be its own independent Baptist church with a new name and just reaching and tearing up that community. And you say, Pastor, in about a year, when you cut that umbilical cord up there and they go off and call themselves something different, hopefully they're not going to call themselves the Aaron Thompson Ministries. you know. But when they call themselves something different, you know, what are you going to do? You know what we're going to do? We're going to turn around and do it again. Amen. And we're going to turn around and do it again. And we're going to turn around and do it again. And every time they knock us down, we're just going to do it again. Because that's what God has called us to do. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for these stories and the scriptures that encourage us. And Lord, I just pray that, I just pray that maybe something would be said this morning that would just stir up the hearts of somebody. Maybe there's somebody here who just needs to say, you know what, I'm going to go out soul winning. And, and, and maybe we need to do a better job. Maybe we need to create more opportunities. Maybe some people say, well, I can't, I can't walk. Well, maybe, maybe we can just go down to, uh, to Old Sack and, and, and try to witness there. I, I don't know, but Lord, does, I just pray that somebody would do something. Like the four lepers men, that we would just say, why sit we here till we die? Lord, I pray that you would burden our soul winners, the ones that are already out there, the ones that are already doing. Lord, burden them not to just see souls saved, but to return and to follow up and to love and to care and to pray and to confirm and to continue and to encourage and to exhort their converts. And Lord, I pray for these young men that that have a desire for the ministry. I hope they realize my heart is not to make them feel bad. I just want to encourage them, get going. Let's go do something big. And Father, I just pray that you would bless us and help us, protect us, and help us to realize that persecutions will come, and when they knock us down, let's just get back up and do it again. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.